Welcome to the CityDAO podcast. I'm your host, Eric Gilbert Williams. CityDAO is exploring decentralized asset ownership on chain, starting with a simple piece of land purchased in Wyoming during 2021. Each parcel of land becomes an NFT that can be owned collectively by the DAO or by individuals just like you and me. CityDAO is a DAO. In other words, it's a decentralized autonomous organization, meaning that land governance, treasury, and other things, including this show you're listening to right now, are all managed by the community. Check out the FAQ at citydow.io to learn more, or check out the CityDAO Discord channel to get all the latest updates. Now let's get started with the show. Welcome to this fourth episode of the Citizens Series here on the CityDAO podcast. The Citizen Series is exactly as it sounds. It's where citizens of CityDAO come on the show and we get to know them a little bit better. One of my favorite parts of the CityDAO community is the sheer diversity of geographic location of its citizens. People from all across the world own legally enforceable governance rights over this first piece of land that we purchased in Wyoming last year. Now, of course, one of the top priorities right now is to decide on which piece of land to buy next and if it'll have added functionality and most importantly, to clarify the legalities around all of this. But that doesn't change the fact that right now we own land in Wyoming that people from across the world own governance rights on. This is the first time that this has really happened at this level, and it's very exciting to be a part of that. So today, I get the pleasure of chatting with Elmo, calling in all the way from Thailand. Elmo is a very active community member. You see him all over Discord. If you guys haven't checked out our Discord, make sure to just check it out, join in. I'll put a link to it in the show notes of this episode. Participate, start talking with us. You'll see Elmo on there. Elmo has recently been elected to the CityDAO Council as well. So Elmo, congratulations, first of all, on being elected into the official and the very first CityDAO Council. Welcome to the show, man. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. And thanks for the kind word. Um, it is my pleasure to be able to be here and doing some podcast stuff. And also that I get elected as the most voted candidate somehow. <laughs> Yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> it's, it's really cool to hear everyone's voice in real life here because we talk on Discord and all typing is equal. You know, we don't hear accents or different backgrounds or any of that stuff when it comes to just a Discord chat. So I know that for you, this is a new thing jumping on a show and we get to really practice here with your English and I, and I really appreciate your courage on that. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Whereabouts in Thailand are you right now? I'm living in Bangkok, Thailand, the capital city. I just graduated around one year ago. And in fact, I have been in the downtown of the Bangladesh district. If you have ever been to Thailand, it is where State Tower and Madrid Oriental is located. But after the COVID just worse and worse, I decided, oh no, I, I don't want to be there anymore. And so I just moved out. And now I live in, I still in Bangkok, but it's far away. And I have been locked myself in my house for almost a year now. Yeah, and that's why you can see me jumping around in the Discord and answering people because, yeah, PC is my friend. <laughs> Maybe you can help me with something. So I've just been fascinated with the martial arts, the Muay Thai martial arts, and I've followed it since I was a little kid. There's something about that particular fighting style that really appealed somehow. I think it was a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie that got me. It was called The Quest. A lot of people like the Bloodsport movies that he did, but I was really into The Quest when I was little. And so a couple of years ago, I treated myself in true digital nomad style. I was, I was traveling around, you know, going to different parts of the world. And I stayed in Chiang Mai for about two months and just fell in love with the region. It was friendly. It was warm. It was welcoming. And, you know, really, I went down there to really just go see the Muay Thai fights and to hang out with some of the fighters and get to know them and see what this is all about from a face-to-face perspective. And then I went out to Bangkok as well a little bit because I wanted to do a tour of all the major Muay Thai stadiums. And so I, was at, I went to Lupini for an evening, 
And then the other one, I have no idea how to pronounce it. I wonder if you could help me with that. I'm going to try it. I'm going to definitely embarrass myself. Let's see. Rajadamnern. Rajadamnern. Oh, I wasn't too far. I was close. Was I close? Yeah, that was very close. Was I past 50%? I think you get 60% no more. All right. So yeah, I was down there. And actually, the shirt I'm wearing today is one I picked up when I was in Thailand while I was out there. So it's kind of in honor of our chat here and, and where you're coming from. It's really cool to see that people from all across the world like this are participating over here. And actually, I'm curious. So you said that you just graduated. What did you study when you were in school? I studied the BBA program, business administration. But I must confess some fun fact that I have almost zero interest in this area. <laughs> in fact, when I was in high school, I really liked history and teach and educational stuff. I really into it. I opened my own history page and have become moderator of various history groups in my local channel. Um, actually, at first, I planned to study in Bachelor of Art program and majoring in maybe Western history or something like that, or maybe go to Bachelor of Education. But, you know, the things now in the world, we have, we learn things based on business. And, you know, money stuff is very, very important and it's so in almost every profession. So I decided at one point that, oh, okay, I will just do everything that I love in my free time and I will just go and get myself into something that I know will be beneficial and it will make me to be able to use my skill that I love and utilize it in a more efficient way and be more influential to other people and help people in a more practical way. Yeah, that's why I end up in there. Cool. And what do you do for work out there? What's your occupation? I mean, I'd imagine that by going to school, you were probably more focused full-time on school. But just curious, you know, what do you what do you do for work on a regular day when you're not dedicating all of your free time to City Now? <laughs> Another fun fact is that even though I study in my Bachelor of Business Administration in majoring in International Business, I still somehow get myself to be a freelance tutor and hold a class almost every evening. <laughs> yeah, I teach in mostly about admission tests in Thailand in order to get into an undergraduate program for high school students. And, you know, I still hang on with that until today. I also wish that one day I will be able to teach some history class or something like that. But, you know, it is very niche market. And <laughs> I don't think most high school students would want me to teach them that subject. So you studied business in school and you didn't like the business aspect, but you knew it was practical. And then your real focus was on history and all those things. And you're also doing tutoring for other students. Did I get that right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. What's the story about discovering City Dow? I mean, you're such an active member in the community and we appreciate what you do. And I'm curious, how did you discover City Dow in the first place? As I said, I have long been interested in educational stuff. I love empowering people and I really love to see when people who want to know something and they get to know that, you know, I really love that energy. And yeah, I've opened my old Facebook page about this and I always get myself into this even though I study in business. But during the four years, I just throw myself in that way. I study in during the day and then I teach during the night and I do that for four years. And then when I actually get to graduate last year, I now get my full time back. And you know, I have been fascinating investing stuff for a long time and I have no real time to go into it. So I start with both my local stock and the crypto space. And I really love the blockchain. The idea that blockchain may one day help the blockchain and the web space might help to 
makes something different for the real world. But you know, it's very hard to find projects that actually do something like that. Other various projects that I have been in their Discord and just go there and will I just say, hmm, this is more financial, <laughs> this is more financial, this is more technical. There is a lot of dev work. I don't think I want to be there because as I said, I really want to make something that different to people. I want to empower them to actually be better person in what they want to be. And around, I think, October or November last year, I just scroll my Facebook feed because I have to answer a lot of people there. And somehow, Citadel post popping up out of blue. <laughs> I can't remember what page or, or, how, or how things are, but I have known the concept of DAO for some time at that point. And to see that the DAO woman have actually, hey, this is the city DAO. And city DAO is, I mean, I feel like, hey, it is a project that might one day go into the real world and do something different. And so I just do my some research based on Google. And yeah, that is exactly it. And so I jump in at no time and just, I observed this Discord for around a month. And then after that, I decided, yeah, this project is for me. And so I start to just dump it around and <laughs> answering people. And that's how I get to this place and <laughs> be like what you see. How big is the Thailand community for CityDAO? I know that there's a few people in the CityDAO community that are from your region out there. How many people? Like, is, is it a lot of people? And do you guys meet in real life as well? Or is it all digital? I haven't done a manual call on that. But what I see that there is a lot of ties here. And, you know, I have dipped to some internet post in Facebook and I see that many of those Thai influencers, especially the NFT one, actually talk about it. And people really like the concept here and they just flock together. <laughs> I think we are the reason why the price jump <laughs> during November to just hype uh, for ETH, if I remember correctly. I mean, people in Thailand are hearing to this project. And if I must guess, I guess they are around, at least they are, there might be 200 or 300 maybe, or maybe more. And there is a whale in there, in there with 100 plus in the field too because he really loved the project. <laughs> and so, yeah, a pretty big community and really active one. I still have to talk with them until today and they're just really active and they want to contribute something. One of the things that really intrigues me about CityDAO is obviously we know that there's people from all around the world that are participating. There's such a diversity and an understanding about how physical land works and how governance rights works and how public systems and politics works. And one of the things, I'll share a little story with you and then I have a question. When I was in Thailand, I was, you know, excited about trying out the culture and seeing what it's like. So, you know, I made friends out there and just went and did things that, that was popular. And obviously a lot of the tourist stuff and I did some hiking and some of it was by myself, which was fun and a little scary, but some of it was with groups. And you know what? One day I went to the movies. So I was like, oh, okay, let's go. Let's go see a movie. And by the way, it was really cool how you guys mix your popcorn out there. It's not like one bag or another. <laughs> it's, it's, it was just a fun little thing. Yeah, we can just put everything together and yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's a big surprise mix of popcorn. You never know. Now, when I went to the theaters and I sat down, I was surprised where before the movie started, there was a song that was playing and everyone in the theater stood up and took their hats off and paid respects to his honor, the, the King of Thailand. And it was a song that demonstrated some of the feats that he's done. And it was all about him. There's imagery on the, on the screen. And it was a very respectful thing to do in honor of the King of Thailand. And to me, you know, that was new for me. I had never experienced that. We don't do that in Canada. I mean, when I was in school, we were all mandatory. We had to sing 
the national anthem as kids, and the national anthem talks about <laughs> the queen. But, you know, Canada doesn't have a queen, but we actually do. If you look deeper, there is an honorary trailing old history connection to obviously to England and the Queen of England right now. So there's a tributary, you could say, reference to the Queen inside the national anthem. It was just foreign to me. So that's the closest I've come. Because I mean, to sing about the Queen was, well, where's the Queen? I don't, I don't have a Queen in Canada. It's, it's, it's different. So being in Thailand and standing up to this tributary song to the King of Thailand was a very eye-opening experience to me just in how some of the differences exist in cultural norms. And so the next thing that struck me was basically there's pictures of His Honor the King of Thailand all across Thailand. There's pictures of him everywhere. And he's, you know, all the pictures are him in his 40s, younger man, military. And then I realized just through conversation that, you know, he's a little bit older than that. You know, he's a fair bit older. And so I I was with the tour guide and I asked the tour guide some questions about this. And and some of my questions were very pointed. And I won't repeat them here because I don't want to accidentally put you on the spot. But I was being very pointed with my questions. And she asked me to lower my voice. She said, I need to lower my voice and not ask so loudly and talk about these subjects in public because she might get in trouble and this might be a problem. And basically, there was just an enforcement about only having positive things to say about the king and nothing else. And so obviously, I respected that and, and moved forward. And when we talk about the concept of, let's say, city and how does this perceive? How does the Thailand regulatory system perceive cryptocurrency as a first question? Is this good or bad? Is it banned? Is it, is it in positive light or negative light? So how does the Thailand government see cryptocurrency? And how do they feel about the concept of land rights and governance outside of Thailand? Is, is this something they see as a threat? Or is it something that they see as okay? Or maybe they don't even know yet. Maybe they haven't caught up. I don't know. So I will start with the crypto world in general first. So I must say that in Thailand, normal people like me actually really open to crypto. But the government, I think they see it as a potential threat, not a threat, not a real threat right now. And I think they just passed the law that requires 15% tax on every crypto transaction. It is really served. Which, by the way, that's only 50% of what India is going for. They're going for 30. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they just at first, many more in Thailand, the more group, if you have, you have go to them, the Siam Paragon, the Emporium, Emquartia, and they, at first, the group tried to accept the cryptocurrency as a way to pay off payment. And then the Bank of Thailand just go, no, you can do this. <laughs> and then after just a week later, they just, no, you can't just do this. You cannot use cryptocurrency as a currency. And so I think they view it as a potential trade, but not that much as India or other countries, not, not like China, surely. But about the land-like governance, I think they have no idea about it as of now. You know, Thailand have, Thailand, Thai people have long been trading in crypto for many years, maybe even to the start of crypto about <laughs> 10 years ago. And, you know, the law just don't, just don't pop up anywhere. <laughs> It has some draft of the law back four years ago that have the same content as here and no one cares about it. And they just care about it when Bitcoin go boom last year and they just do a decision so they are pretty slow. And I don't think they know even about the DAO at the moment. So I think there is no real barrier now for now. Yeah. Interesting. So someday they're going to catch up and hopefully it would be great if you ever bump into an official or a politician in Thailand who would like to talk to us, maybe even come on the show and we can discuss things. You know, we're very open to that. The main government as of now is the military government. (laughs) 
semi-military, they got elected under a very suspicious circumstance. <laughs> this government don't really open up with this that much, but the opposing party is actually really, really open for it. They even put up the idea that, hey, maybe we can even do an election <laughs> in using blockchain and maybe we can get the NFT to everyone and make it more transparent. <laughs> and, you know, the current government just, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we will not do that. And even the lead of the opposing party, Mr. Tanathorn, I think, he actually have his own NFT collection and, and people just going to an action for it. And so I think if the shift of power take place in Thailand, we will see a lot of change there. And I hope it will come not very far from now because, you know, we have been waiting for some time now. Yeah, I think change is inevitable everywhere. And yet there's always going to be some people that are resistant or scared of it and other people who embrace it. And we'll see how things go. I mean, we just chatted with one of the gentlemen leading the Miami Coin Project out in Miami. And obviously that city is very much embracing the concept of change and how can that work? And in other regions and other cities, even in the United States or Canada, I mean, look at what Trudeau just did to Canadians, seizing people's banks and blocking their wallets and tracking them down and treating them. Literally, the government here in Canada, where I am, is treating me and other people like me like criminals. If I happen to donate money to any cause that I believe in, I never know anymore whether or not that's going to result in a total freezing of all my bank accounts and an obliteration of my ability to survive as a human and pay my mortgage and buy groceries and go out and pay my electricity bill. You know, the government here has essentially switched gears from being a representation of a free economy into one of that of arguably a dictatorship. And I wasn't really involved in the truckers' protests and all that stuff. So my accounts were not frozen. I certainly sympathized with what they were pushing for, but I was very much taken aback with how quickly sometimes people at a political level in a government can resist or feel scared or practice their authoritarian behind the scenes initiatives and inclinings. It's a crazy thing. So we'll see what happens in Thailand. We'll see, of course, what happens in Canada as well as this, as this evolves. I'm curious about property rights in Thailand. You know, here in, in Canada, United States, a lot of places in the world, if I buy a piece of property, I save up money, I buy it, you know, I have land title, it's defensible, it's, it's private property, there's no trespassing on it, I can lock the doors, it's my place. You know, when people cross the boundary and enter my land, I can have certain rights that I can do. And it's generally accepted that property rights aren't perfect over here, but they are pretty strong. And I'm wondering, how does property rights work in Thailand? Is it very similar? You just save up money, you buy a land, it's yours, and it's defensible, and the court recognizes this properly? Or is it weaker? What are the differences of property rights, you think, from Thailand to, let's say, North American in general? It is pretty much the same. We save the money, we buy the right of the land, and we have some right. If someone go into our land, we have the right to warn them. And even if they refuse to go out, we have the right to just put them out and yeah, use some measure to get them out. So I think that there is much similarity between here and there. And so there should not be a problem if we do this now. But yeah, but what I really concern is the stance of the government. As you know, <laughs> we are now in a semi, semi-military based elected <laughs> government. So they can change standards really quickly. And yeah, as you see, they just have the idea of 15% tax just during the end of January, and then they just pass this in a really short amount of time, and you know, it can share really quickly. So, I, I hope they won't do that. But yeah, we'll be see. 
Yeah, I, I understand that. And when you are talking with other city Dow citizens in Thailand, whether that's in person or, or online, what are some of the big, important, hot subjects that you talk about over there? And that could be anything, right? But when you're with the city Dow community in Thailand, what are the, the big, important things that you talk about? Most of them want to see our project succeed and then maybe just migrate there and just leave Thailand <laughs> whatsoever. So there's a, a demand to leave. People want to explore and go outwards. Yeah. We have the biggest Facebook group in Thailand and the group name, if translated, is Go Off Here. <laughs> and it, we get allow, I think, allow 500k people in there who will just discuss about, hey, we want to go to Canada. Oh, you know, the people actually want to go to Canada and I don't know why. Canada is one of the first destinations that Thailand people who Generally satisfied with the current situation, want to go and yeah, and stuff. So I think the whole debate is that okay, people here are really long term because they, they know we are we are very really new and there are still many obstacles that we have to face. There are still legal prospect, there are still business prospect. There are so many things that we have to fight as a DAO in order to make this project really succeed and make some change in the world. And yeah, what they want to actually go is that. Someday we will actually succeed in building the city of the future where the governance light is more transparent, where we have the system that encourages productivity, where we have the right to talk, we have the right to get our white hairs. And yeah, that is the modest topic because hey, when, we, I, when I can go to Wyoming and maybe others country with better government or better government to people, <laughs> alas, things like that. Yeah. And I would imagine the currency conversion would probably be a big challenge for some people in Thailand trying to move, let's say, to Canada, where the buying power of the dollar, there's a difference, obviously. It's a stronger dollar in Canada, so to say, than, than in Thailand. And I imagine that you know, people would have to save up a fair bit in order to be able to make that migration. I'm wondering, is there any political challenges or restraints that are there in place, or is it very open? Does the government of Thailand just let people move in and out and and it's generally an, an okay, easy process. It is generally pretty easy process, but the most challenge that most people get is, yeah, financially. <laughs> it took a really large sum of money in order to establish ourselves in the those most wanted destinations, mostly Australia, Japan, Canada, even France or Germany. And I know, and another thing is, I think the process of moving there is not that easy. So... From Thai regulation, I don't think that it's much, but I think it is more of the moving to a country where there will, there will be some challenge that one who wants to go there, you have to face and you have to somehow overcome it. Yeah, I totally understand that. And I hope you guys reach out and maybe we can be involved in some of those discussions. So let's switch gears for a second and talk about your involvement with CityDAO. It's a good segue from what we were just chatting about. Now, you just were elected into the City Dow Council, and I think that there was 15 people, if I remember correctly. I think it was five people that were elected in, and then those five people had the option or the ability to vote in two people each or something like that. So now there's a total of 15 people that are elected in as the council members, and you're one of them, obviously, with a high percentage of votes as well. So what was that process like? Were you nervous? Were you excited? And how did it go? I'm really excited. I mean, it would be clear to be a part of this historical council, and... What I do is just doing what I always do. I just gamble on Discord, helping people and just answering everyone because I am a really empathetic person. I can feel I can feel other people feeling really much. And I think that is somehow a curse and the blessing at the same time. 
And so I just jumping around, helping Thai people, actually Thai people because yeah, it's my native <laughs> native language. So it's easy for me to help them and get them in loop. And so I'm really excited and not really nervous because I just do what I do best, which is jumping around, helping people and do just that. <laughs> it's really cool to see this diversity just in the council itself. I mean, you strike me as very much a community-centric, a people-focused person, just trying to help and get communication going well and connect people. And you obviously you do a lot more than just that, but that's like one of the, the main traits that I see with you. We just interviewed and, and chatted with Syntonica and Dylan's on the show as well. And it's really cool to have them representing, you know, the younger generations and what this looks like in sustainable living and connecting with the earth and, and having this community-centric vibe in a living and working together environment. And we have, you know, Fagya coming on the show soon from a deep, deep political background. And I'm really looking forward to that chat as well. And there's just so many people that represent different parts of what a community is. So as the Citizen Series continues, and the whole intention, of course, is to demonstrate and put on the forefront just how diverse this community is. So yes, yeah, anyways, I'm rambling now, but it's, it's really cool to have you to in on this. And when you were going through the election process, maybe for people that aren't familiar, can you describe to everyone what was the process of going through the elections? I mean, you had to write an article. Well, you didn't have to, but people, you know, I think you did write an article and shared it with everyone. You had a couple of minutes to speak at the town hall. Maybe you can share it with people how that whole process went. Okay, so we have CIP that said the whole process. And the first process that we have to go through is that we write the introduction of ourselves in the forum. And yeah, I, I was the third one to put it there, I think, after David and who is the first one. And after that, we need to ensure that people know what our vision of CityDAO is, what's our background, and what we see CityDAO in the next five years, I think, if I correctly remember. And so people can then go into the forum and see, oh, okay, this candidate is a lawyer from blah, 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 and he has been here for blah, 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 and he is interested in blah, 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 and, and what he wants to, to do in the council. And you know, the funny thing is that I actually confessed in that article that I'm fairly new to the crypto space. I just joined this DAO at my third DAO and I mostly don't know about any legal or any, any governance stuff. And I should really be applying for a more admin line role or something like that, a community role. And after that, after the, the forum is there for two of them, we have the town hall that, that led the candidate to answer the key question that, that is put together by the core team. And then we have, we have allowed two minutes each to pitch our vision, our opinion on allow five or six questions, I think. But even if I remember correctly, I just go through three because I have an appointment on nine o'clock here. So I left early. If you can go, you can, you can still see it on YouTube, I think. And then after that, after people have the opportunity to see what we really like in voice, we get the snapshot board and the snapshot board just get really buggy somehow and then yeah we have to go through the process of how can we do this because you know there are 15 candidates and then somehow the snapshot top three candidates out of there and the next they just got wiped out totally wiped out and we don't know about that and so in the end we decided hey everyone in the cup who decided to come and introduce themselves to serve should be able to serve and that's how in the end, we get all the 15, 15 candidates in the council here. <laughs> and I think it's pretty cool, you know, they have a really diverse background and most of them are really excited. And I think they can do a really good job. David is a really 
experience, lawyer and fuck yeah, got a really deep experience in political and part San Diego. I think he got a really experience in design. You know, it is very, very good to see that in the end, all of us get elected, although it is a little bit weird that Snapchat just fucked everything up. And what are your top priorities now that you're a council member? What are you focused on right now with the council? As I said that, I even confessed in my article that I don't have any governance, law experience. So I am here and just try to make sure that the voice of the citizens are heard by presenting. I even have put a Google Doc in there where a citizen can voice their comment and I just put everything up. And after two days, I just present everything to the council <laughs> to make sure that all the points is being answered and being recognized by the council. And after that, I try to make sure that when someone pop up in citizen chat or general chat and they want to know what council is going on, why are we so quiet? <laughs> Lately, I, want, I just do my part to update them with what we are going now and what the council is doing. Hey, they are not just, just, just get elected and sit around doing nothing. No, <laughs> they just have a really, really frequent call, which unfortunately, because I am from Thailand time zone, I cannot join and I missed most of it. But I try to read through all the documents and try to make sure that all those process have been updated to those who want to know about it. And I think that's what my role is up now. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate everything you're doing. And, and if we look into the future, if we go one year, two year, three year, maybe five years in the future, what would be your vision for CityDAO? My vision, and I say that I really love to empower people. I really love to teach people. I think CityDAO, in the future, we are the city. You know, we use CityDAO as our name. And the city is a place where people come and to find opportunity in their life. Whether it is financially, reputational, or civilian standard, we go into the city to find this opportunity to advance ourselves, to less our living standard, to find more people to connect it, to find more opportunity to exploit. And I think I see CityDAO as a both digital and real-world place where we act at and opportunity hub for people to pursue that goal and to advance their, themselves into something they want to, to be. What actually intrigued me in, this, in when I find out about this style is that we have a very diverse type of people. We have lawyers, we have lobbyists, we have business person, we have investor, we have education person, and all these people are here in order to do something that different. And I think that when we grow to be more bigger than this, this opportunity will not just be focused on those who are in crypto world. It should be extended to those people who want to connect it to one, who want to find themselves in what they interest, whether it's legal, whether it is education, whether it is real estate or anything. They should be able to go and come to here and we will embark on some very interesting and fruitful goal and we will advance together as a team. And you can just choose wherever you want to contribute or wherever you want to be. And I think that is the ultimate vision of our DAO that I see in, in the future. It is a city where everyone in the world can join and find the opportunity that suits them most. I like that. I think a lot of people like that vision and you know, we'll see how it evolves and where it goes. There's so many options here. When you're explaining some of this to your friends in Thailand that aren't part of the community yet, what do they say? Do, like, do they say you're crazy? Or are they really interested? I'm just curious, because when I explain CityDAO to my friends here in Canada, I get a really big mix of perspectives. Some people say it's so stupid and it's a waste of time. Other people are just so fascinated and they want to join immediately and jump in. I'm going to be speaking at a crypto event here in Canada uh, in next, was it two weeks from now, I think, 
to just talk about DAOs and talk about CityDAO. So there's a big mix of reactions. So what do your friends say when you tell them about CityDAO? I think with our current political stance, people are really open for it <laughs> because they want to make something different. One of the things that you can see Thailand people, especially the younger generation, say is that they want to make sure that they don't make the same mistake as the older generation, that they should do something that benefit to the next generation. And, you know, they see this city down project as one of those tools that they can do in order to make sure that their son, their daughter in the future, 10 years, 20 years, have a better option of city, have a better option of, of governance to live on. And most of them are really open. And of course, they still say that, hey, it is really possible to actually succeed in this. But people will just cheer you <laughs> if you say that, hey, I want to be a part of this. And we just, yeah, just, 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 just go in and I will pray for it. And hopefully it will someday have something that can be adapted in Thailand or be a part of Thailand that we can use our new method of governance to actually benefit the people of the future. And yeah, I think that is, most, that is the stand of most ties, most ties here. This reminds me a little bit of Bitcoin, where, for example, some of my friends, when, it, when I introduced them to Bitcoin for the first time, which seems to continuously happen, a lot of them don't understand the impact and the benefit. And sometimes I take a step back and explain it to them and say, look, we're in a first world country here, and maybe you don't fully understand what Bitcoin does, but 70% of the world is unbanked. They don't have a bank. They don't have access to a bank. In many cases, it's not legal for them to have a bank. And if you don't have a bank, you can't save. If you can't save, you can't invest. If you can't invest, you can't build. And so a lot of people that don't have access to a bank, or if it's a corrupt system or whatnot, it's very difficult for them to better their lives. So, so Bitcoin as an example, in my opinion anyways, has a greater impact and a more clear and immediately discernible impact on the third world countries of the world, the poor areas of the world. And when I think about CityDAO, I wonder about people that are also living in more difficult circumstances or maybe even communist regimes and maybe Russia, China and other parts of the world that are, that are struggling as well. And I wonder if CityDAO and the concept of decentralized governance might have a clearer and more immediate impact on other regions of the world than it does here locally in first world countries. Would you agree with that? Or do you think about that as well? Or I'm curious your thoughts. The biggest group of our people here and now is Turkey, which has some sort of financial hardship as of now. We've got Chinese community, which, okay, everyone knows about it. And we've got Thailand, as which you can see from my previous said that, yeah, we don't really love this kind of circumstance. And I think people in this country will feel more emphasized with CityDAO's goal and vision. And they will feel that, oh, this is the future. This will better our life. And that is exactly what it is happening to the Thai community. And I assume it also has the role in the Chinese and maybe the Turkish community too. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'm looking forward to continuing chatting with you on Discord on and on and all these evolutions that we're doing. There's a lot of big priorities for the council right now. And I know you have tons of meetings. I, th I think when I follow the threads, it sounds like you guys are meeting very frequently about a lot of subjects. Is that right? Yeah, I think. And you know, one day I can see a lot of three meetings popping up and I, I really want to jump in. And, but you know, it's so frequent and I still try to teach my class and oh no, it's just 3 a.m. here and, you, and then should I, should I jump in? And yeah, they're so freaking mean and I, I can't even catch up with all of it. And I, I just try to make sure that I read all of their docs and 
try to understand all the complex stuff and to and to translate them into some simple simple language to those who are out of this council. So my, my final question here, just before we wrap up, I'm curious, what are the biggest lessons you've learned so far in being a part of this community? The biggest lesson I learned is that now with the DAO governance and with the Web3 space, it is actually possible for people from around the world to embark on some ambitious project together and to really connect with each other. You know, the internet has already made people connected to some degree. We can chat with our boss from another country. We can have a video call with our friend who go abroad. But, you know, it was still very hard to really connect with those random people who you see on Facebook, who you see on Twitter or something like that. But, you know, with the community DAO, with the DAO Journal and especially in City DAO, I can see that now with the coming of this kind of project, it is really possible for people with many kind of background to actually embark on something meaningful together no matter where you are. And I think that is a big lesson I learned is that, hey, now we are really decentralized and we can actually connect with each other. And that is, you know, for me, it's really awesome. You know, I have done many projects in here in Thailand and we only have Thai people or even some handful of foreigners who join. But with the doubt, I can see that, hey, no matter where we are, we can actually do something great together and we can connect with each other. We can find like my people and we can actually connect with them in a meaningful way. And that is really, really, really great for me. It's really good for everyone. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, thanks for coming on the show here, Elmo. Is there anything on your mind that you want to share with anyone just before we wrap up? I think I want to talk to those citizens who might listen to this. It's called that, hey, we are now actually do something that is very solid and you serve at a very solid foundation for everyone in, in CityDAO in the future. I really hope that this council can pave the way for something very great and something that will be good for everyone and we might one day change the world. And I hope everyone just stick around and wait for everything to unfold. And I'm sure we will on the land again and we will listen to get together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I second that and stay involved. Join the Discord. Check out our Twitter. Listen to the other episodes here in the podcast. Share it with your friends. Ask questions. Everyone that asks questions in the Discord, from what I can see, has their voice heard and has their answers provided to the best of our ability anyways. You can also ping me on Discord anytime. Happy to chat with anyone listening as well. And until then, you know, let's reconnect and see you on the community Discord chats. And we'll be putting together another podcast episode shortly. So until then, make it a great week. And we'll see you next time on the City Now podcast. Bye for now. Bye.